0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: It's a damn corruption politically. We're a mess in this country. And I want to remind you that the government is a reflection of the New Testament local church. When the church is not right with God, everything else falls apart. Right. Marriages, individuals, government, business. We see so much corruption. But the church has allowed herself to become so carnal and I think so and I say that I'm speaking to the greatest church in all the world, but I am so desperately desiring revival from my heart, and I know you are as well. I want our church to experience revival. Revival is a recognition of sin, a repentance of that sin, a renewed desire consequently to serve God. We've been looking at revival. We saw that what we've seen when an individual has revival or when a church has revival, there's always conviction of sin. When we begin to become honest with God, not my brother nor my sister, but it's my sin. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this iniquity in thy sight. I wonder this morning, pastor and people alike, is there some sin that two men's eyes are hidden, but they're not hidden from you and I today? Is there something that we're not right with God in our marriage, in our family, in our business, in the way we handle the money that God places into our care? Is there something wrong that we won't speak to a relative or we won't speak to another church member and the Holy Spirit of God convicts us when a church member or a church a pastor of people get right with God, there's always conviction. Secondly, we saw there's always conversion. In the New Testament when they were experiencing the great revivals, one day 5,000 got saved, one day 3,000 got saved. It's an amazing thing what God does when a church gets thoroughly right with God. Are we seeing souls saved? And then we saw thirdly, compatibility. When a church member is right with God, when a pastor is right with God, when a church is right with God, there's one accord, we get along. We're not having to sit on this side because we don't like somebody on this side or down below because we don't like someone there. Or we don't sit behind a post so they won't have to hear the preaching. We can hear it but we can't see it. I'm suggesting today when there's revival, there's always conviction, there's conversion, there's compatibility, and there's the church. We become in love with the church. We want to get to the house of God. It's not something we have to do or are one and done and we get this thing over with for the week, but we want to be at the house of God. And then we saw last Sunday night that when a a church member or pastor or people get right with God, we have a contrite heart. We, we, We are sorrowful and repentant of our sin. Today, it's very obvious as we read this text Verse 36, this is of our Lord Jesus, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what, church? Compassion. A tremendous empathy for others, a kindness to others. And We see people in distress, and we want to relieve that distress that they're in. And that's what compassion is all about. I love what you prayed this morning because there's, a, there's somebody in this room today or several somebodies that we're gonna to have to get compassionate toward the country of Mexico or El Salvador or Costa Rica or Nicaragua or Venezuela or Uganda as we go to Africa or Zamboy or, or whatever the country might be or Sudan or, or Burma, there's, a, there's people here who say, I'll go where you want me to go. Dear Lord, or mountain, or plain, or sea, I'll say what you want me to say, dear Lord. I'll be what you want me to be. Nothing wrong with succeeding in business. But give God first crack at your life. God may want you to preach the word of God. God may want you as a preacher of the gospel or a preacher's wife, or God may just choose you to be a missionary to the world, or God may choose to allow your voice to be on a broadcast, to broadcast the news of salvation around the world. There's a place called heaven, and there's a place called hell, and every boy and every girl and every man and every woman will spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And if a person is not born again, they'll spend eternity in hell. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot go to heaven unless you're born again. Say, I'm a Baptist. My granddaddy was a Baptist preacher, but you're not born again just because your granddaddy was a preacher. Well, I got baptized, but you're not born again because you got baptized or or, or confirmed or dedicated or whatever the case might be. You must realize that Jesus said, I am the way. I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's not the Baptist church, it's not the Catholic church, it's not the Mormon church, it's not the Scientology, it's Jesus Christ is the answer. And when a church has revival, we realize we have a opportunity and an obligation to show kindness and show empathy and show compassion to the world. Jesus is our greatest example. He saw the multitudes. As I was pondering this again this past week, everywhere he went, he was showing kindness. Everywhere he went, he was showing compassion. He went to a funeral, and a widow woman bearing her son, he was brokenhearted and healed her son. He saw blind people, and he healed them. Lepers, and he healed them. The lame, and he healed them. Those that were, de- that, that were deaf, he healed them. Those that could not speak, and he healed them. And everywhere he went, he was touching people in need. He went to the politicians, and the politicians came to him. Nicodemus came by night, and everywhere Jesus went, he was looking at people. They said, don't let those little kids bother him. And they said, suffer, allow the little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of God. Jesus cared for elderly. Jesus cared for the widow. Jesus cared for the broken. Mary and Martha, a good example of that. Jesus cared for children. Jesus cared for everybody. We sing in elementary chapel from time to time. Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black, brown, white, they're all precious in His sight. We live in a world where we can't get along because of skin color or because of ethnicity or because of where we live or where we're from or what country we're from. Oh, but friend, when there's a revival, we can realize that God brings us all together and we're one in Christ. I want you to know that compassion is the example that a church, but a church does not have compassion. A church is in desperate need of revival. I recall in 1971, I became a bus director. And I can recall working at that great Berean Baptist Church. And I remember those buses as we began to buy more and more and more. And every week we're buying. And at that moment in time, it was very difficult to get a used Sunday school bus. Because the churches in America were buying them up. The Assembly of Gods bought up the buses. They called them joy buses. The Nazarenes did the same. The Baptists did the same. We were in a city of Rockford, Illinois. 130,000 people in that city. Five good, Bible-believing Baptist churches, independent churches all had buses. And 130,000 people, most of them were averaging, oh, eight buses, 10 buses, 12 buses. We had 13 buses, and they were going out everywhere. Some had a few less than that. But on Sunday, you'd see buses all over the city. You'd see the joy buses. You'd see the five churches from that five, those five good independent Baptist churches, buses everywhere, and buses were being purchased all over America. Hard to get second-hand buses. The church was on fire. We were sending out missionaries around the globe, particularly through the Baptist Bible Fellowship in those days, in the 70s, 60s and 70s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Things were hot. Churches are growing. What we call now mega churches, large churches were just springing up everywhere. It was an exciting time. People were coming to church and they'd come to Sunday morning and Sunday school and Sunday night, and it was an exciting time in America. Christian schools were opening three a day, 365 days a year in the 70s. But I tell you what's happened. You're hard-pressed to see a Sunday school bus Running anywhere in America. Our city's streets are predominantly empty with buses because church after church has shut the bus ministry down. And here's the thing, pastors say I can't find drivers. And you men that work in that capacity, you know how difficult it is. I imagine we need about 40 drivers a week, if not more, uh, a, a Sunday. And, of course, other times with the shuttle buses and all that are running all the time, we need drivers all the time. And God says here in this text, the labors are few. i tell you why the labors are few. We don't want to have compassion. I read a, I didn't read the article, I saw the headline this past week. 46% of young people in their 20s are angry and mad and discouraged. So, why, pray tell, are we going to try to vote people into office that will pay their college bill? And why are we trying to vote people in office that whatever bill you have for college we will pay it off? One of the problems with the 20 year olds today, we give them everything. And the 20 year olds, thank God we have so many of you that are hundreds of you involved as 20 year olds in the work of God, but we're not giving them opportunity to show compassion, we're trying to bail them out. Okay, you want money? Okay, you're in fourth grade, you want a cell phone? Okay, we'll give it to you. Whatever you want, we'll give. And life is not about receiving, life is about giving. For God so loved the world, he gave, that's the example. We create an environment. We live here in Northern California, and I love our entire state. I'm sick and tired of everybody telling me how bad it is. Sure, it's bad. Just like Iraq and Iran are bad, but somebody has to go get the gospel to these fields. China, one billion people, where God's outlawed, it needs the gospel. We live in a day where. We're in Northern California, You've gotta to go to, and it's no longer called Southern California like when I was a kid, SoCal. After all, we're 20 years age, we gotta get down to, we gotta get down to SoCal, so go to Disneyland, go to Nice Berry and go to Medieval Times and go out to eat and go party and go to the beach. It's warmer beach down there. And we live in a party mentality. I can't teach a Sunday school class, I have gotta go to SoCal. I can't teach a class, I gotta to go to Kirkwood. After all, Sunday, I gotta go snow skiing. We get quiet in here now, but we're losing America. We're blaming the Republicans. We're blaming the Democrats. We're blaming the independents. We're blaming the socialists, but they are a reflection of the selfishness of the New Testament local church. We can't run buses in our city because we can't find bus drivers. We can't find people to buy a bus. We can't have Sunday school. And I preach to the choir, What what a church hundreds of Sunday school teachers, hundreds, hundreds of uh, bus workers in the bus ministry. Every Sunday, the B bus ministry alone has right at 99 to 100 bus workers that are out knocking on doors and visiting people and running the buses Sunday. Thank God for all you do around here. We've never paid for a janitor for this auditorium in 13 years. We have volunteers cleaning. I'm pastor the church in America that people really serve God but the laborers are still few. The average age of a missionary on the mission field is 68 years of age. Though 68 is not old, 68 means you've lived a long life. Where are our replacements? Well, I want my kids to go to the mission field. Why? They don't belong to you anyway. Your children are not. Yours are a heritage of God and we give our children back to God. And I'd rather have, as my wife taught me so many years ago, our children living halfway around the world in the center of God's will than living right next door out of the center of God's will. I'm not saying everyone's gonna be a missionary. I'm not saying everybody's gonna be a preacher but I heard a preacher say years ago, every single Christian in America ought to either go and be a preacher of the gospel or help some man that's trying to preach the gospel and help the work of God. Here's our Lord, and he's moved compassion. May I say to you and I today, when a church has revival, we are looking for opportunities to show compassion upon others. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, please. The book of Philippians, we're coming right back here. I want you to notice in Philippians chapter number four and a verse that you know. In fact, it may be your life verse for some of you. In Philippians chapter four, verse number 19. Philippians 4, 19. It's a very famous verse that we quote so often. I'd like you to read it with me, Philippians 4, 19. Ready, begin. Begin. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Hold it right there, please. Verse 18, I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things that were sent from you. What were sent? What was sent? Verse 19, who is going to meet, watch it now, who is going to meet our need? Who's going to meet our need? God. But my God shall supply all your need. I want you to go back, if you will, with me to chapter number three. In chapter number three. Chapter two, excuse me, verse 25. Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier. Watch it, watch it. But your messenger that he hath ministered to my He hath ministered to my what? You know what we ought to do? We ought to realize that God will meet your need. But it's my job to meet your wants. God will take care of the need of this church. But we ought to live in such a compassionate way that we look all the time, how can I meet the want of that person? Epaphroditus He was the one that God used and the church to send a gift to Paul and he said, you have met my my wants. I wonder, is there a widow in this church you might meet a want? It might be that you don't have money, but you might be able to say, can I take the car and wash it for you? Winter's coming on. I wonder if you'd let me, allow me to wax your vehicle for you. I wonder as I bring it back, uh, it, it, if you just sort of leave it with a full tank of gasoline, that's meeting the wants of a widow. I wonder if there's a single parent that's struggling upon the uh, pathway of life. And, sir, I think if there's a man, perhaps you could do something for that man, sir. And, lady, if there's a lady that's raising children, sir, you don't need to do anything for that lady. Do something for your wife. But perhaps you can do something, ladies, for that lady to help her and the wants as God meets the need. You see, the church is not about how much can we assess more for ourselves? How much can we gain more for ourselves? What can I get for me? It's what can I give to thee and to those? Go back with me if you will. Individuals look for opportunities to meet needs, to meet wants, so we have compassion on others. I love that scripture in Philippians 2, 4. Look, not every man on his own, but every man on the things of others. How can I help others on the pathway of life? How can I help, a, how can I help someone who's sincerely poor? Not a lazy man that will not work. God's word says that's a violation to give. To a man that will not work, he should not eat. But how can I help someone who's poor? How can I help someone who's lost their job? I wonder if we could drop off some groceries at their home. How can I help someone this winter that truly is cold and needing something to warm their body, a coat? How can I help someone? We've had in the days gone by, and I I would not advertise you young men to do this in college. We had college boys, and sometimes they'll kneel at the altar and pray, and when they kneel and pray, their shoes have holes in them. That's a we don't, allow, we, we don't allow, we don't allow. We, we, all the men's feet are down on the ground, but we don't cross our legs up here. It's no big deal. But, but, you know, it'd be like, I want you to pray for me, and I got holes in my shoes. Just pray that God will meet my needs today. Are you all seeing my holes in my shoe? I don't have any. I hope I don't have any. That's to be seen. But isn't it amazing when we've had people through the 23 years of the college, they'll see a college student They have holes in their shoes. They find out what size, and a lot of times don't even tell who it is. They've helped them on the journey of life. I wonder what families struggle to keep their children in Christian school. I wonder if God would raise you up to be a help to that person on the pathway of life. I cannot say that we're perfect at it. But as we find on a daily basis somebody that needs help, say, well, pastor, you're a rich pastor. Uh, one day you'll find out. Well, we don't have investments, and we don't have properties, and we don't have things, and we don't have cabins. And this church has been so very good to us. I'm not suggesting you haven't taken care of us. Everything I own in life, where we live, and we heat the house, and, and, and we, everything we have in life is because of God's people. You've not been bad to us at all, but we've not not claimed a lot for us down here. Lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust doth grow up and where thieves break through and steal and destroy, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And when we give to those in need and we have compassion upon those, we get to the parking lot and there's there's one stall left and and this lady is trying to get in or this man's trying to get in or this older man or this older lady or this, whoever it is, you go. Our rights. And when that attitude gets in the church, the church destroys herself. I wish you knew how difficult it was to get the air right in this auditorium. You've ever seen me ask, I asked last week, how many are cold? We had about five women raise their hand. How many are too hot right behind them? Two rows back, it's too hot in here, and they're fanning away. How you get it straight, I don't know. But I am not leaving the church over the air conditioning. And that's not being honest. Have you ever been to Lambeau Field Field in Green Bay? They'll sit out there 80,000 strong and pay money to freeze at 20 below zero to watch the Packers play. No one's leaving that church. Well, you don't have to tie there, no, but you got to pay a $300 ticket. I, I, I was talking to a doctor this past week, and he said, you know, my dad my dad and I are going to the game on Sunday, Washington is playing. Who are they playing? I know, I can't remember right now. Houston, is it Houston? Baseball, baseball. yeah, we're on baseball now. Sorry to wake you up, but uh, but, uh <laughs> You're the only one that's listening up, right? I thank God, and we're not like other men, aren't we? He said, "You know, we my dad got me tickets." He says, "How'd you get tickets?" He said, "Well, they're seven hundred dollars each, but he said we don't get we don't get a seat. We have to stand." That's a nine hundred dollars seat this morning, right there. And and that that's a thousand, brother Art, because you can be behind this behind this big old tall boy and sleep, and I'll never even know it, brother Art. Are you there? Right I, 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 I. Can you imagine that? We, we, our Lord was the great example of compassion on others. Could you, could you find someone every day this week? It may not always be money. Remember those days? your parents just went through this when we would take our kids candy selling for the school. We could, we could, our kids could always tell, older people. I'm talking about old people. When we had kids, I'm talking about old people, 50 and above. I'm about real old people, 50 and above, maybe 45. I'm talking about people that are 60, 65, 70. Our kids could tell. I had to stop them because Tabitha's the only one that stayed. The other kids left us and they went off to pastor church. So it had to be one of the other kids, not the perfect one here. But... uh, but but tim would say grump coming I said tim don't talk like that but he was always right older people are so 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 sweet or just grumps I have so much I want to say about that in retirement right now I don't have time remind me sometime probably won't get to, to the millennium but maybe I'll tell you about as we retire you retire to something or else you give me a list of things that need to get done around here you got too much time on your hand remember when you used to work a job you had nothing to tell me but keep on going pastor but now you make lists for me that's fun I want to say secondly, turn with me, and I know I'm out of time. Galatians chapter 6, please. Galatians chapter 6. You see, I'm talking about if our church would just continue to have compassion. I I have down. We have the 15 routes here. and We have another six routes here, 21 routes. But that's not even half as what I want to run. It's on my prayer list how many I want to run. Because most of the cities of our valley are not covered with our buses. And as I fly on airplanes, I always pull out a gospel track and seek to witness to the person next to me. They said, oh, I know that church. You run all those buses, don't you? Happens to me all the time. I gave a track to someone somewhere this week. They said, oh, I live right, in there, right, right there. I said, well, you've been to the church, haven't you? No, I haven't. I said, you'll love the church. If you're like me, I don't like the pastor at all, but you come anyway. They said, aren't you the pastor? I said, yes, I I am. That's okay. You know, when when a church shows compassion, they show compassion on others, and they show compassion on the fallen. Chapter 6, verse 1, if a brethren, look what he says here. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. See, unspiritual people cannot restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. That's why the internet is so we, we hear some sin of someone else and we go blast it on the internet. I'm never for I'm so sick and tired of people saying, Well, you're covering sin. I, I we we've never covered a crime or any kind of sin. We deal with it. But people that are not spiritual like to blast it all over the world. And they say things that are not true. But ye that are spiritual restore such a one. My Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses one through eight, that if a man is like this man overtaken a fault, we believe that man in chapter two was a man who had committed adultery. God says that person who breaks before God and, and that person who gets right, they say forgive such a one. Lest Satan should get the advantage. You want to know why Satan has such an advantage in the church today? Because we've got our nose in everybody else's business, yeah. right. and normally we have in someone else's business to cover our own wickedness. Compassion for others, compassion for the fallen, compassion—chapter seventeen, Acts for souls. And Paul went to that city of Corinth and he, and he was moved. He was moved when he saw the wickedness of that city. Yes, our cities are wicked. But what if we went to our city with compassion and gave the gospel that every creature could know and every person could know that Jesus Christ is the answer. You see, compassion's always a demonstration. We weep with those that weep. Was there a time you wept I haven't told this in years, but I can remember telling in the old building years ago, a little girl went to school and she came home, little five-year-old said, Mommy, 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 my friend Mary wasn't in school today. Well, she'll be here may- maybe tomorrow. And they, mommy, Mommy, Mary wasn't there. And Mary had missed many days of school. And when Mary came back, she said, Mary, 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 several weeks later, where have you been? And the story that we're told, well, that was a true story, said, The little girl said, my mother died. And she went home and said, mommy, mommy, Mary's mama died. And the mother said, I'm so sad for you. I'm sad for her. What did you do? What did you say? She said, oh, mama, I didn't say anything. I didn't know what to say. But I held her real tight, and we cried together. That's compassion." taught to us by a five year old I look at teenagers I don 't see them as wicked godless w- terrible people that we just you know we just got to get rid of these I, I saw those precious bus kids teenagers last two weeks ago up there I, I, I can't I can't hold myself back I go up there to say hi to them and shake their hand and I, my heart just breaks I, I feel like such a so foolish, I, I'm up there shaking their hand, just weeping. Uh, they come to church. They get themselves up. They get themselves ready. They come to church. Thank God. Thank God for our teenagers down here and our, our A ministry. What a blessing. Oh, I have, I have great encouragement. When I look at the teenagers that are here, whether it be the A ministry or the B ministry or the C ministry, whether it be the Spanish ministry, we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teenagers. They're living in a wicked world, but maybe they're the ones gonna make a difference. Maybe they're gonna catch something in this church that this church is here to reveal compassion to the world. May I say today this as we close? Jesus, Jesus, he displayed compassion. And consequently, if he did, that's our responsibility to walk in his steps.